Welcome to Divine Messy Human. I'm your host, Amanda Kate. This podcast is for the messily human, the ones who are trying their best and making mistakes. It is for those who want to embrace their messiness and learn to love it, realizing life gives us all lessons we need to learn. This is a space with no judgment, one where it is safe to show up as your whole authentic self and explore your mind, body, and soul. A word of warning, I can be a spiritual sailor, so if salty language offends, just cover your ears on occasion. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Divine Messy Human. If you are returning, thank you so much. And if this is your first time, welcome. It's an honor to have you with us. So today I am speaking to a wonderful friend of mine, Ruth Faye. She is founder of Fate Blood Publications. She's an intuitive writing coach and light-coded storyteller, a best-selling author and chief editor at the Women Writing Intentionally Collective. A believer in the unlimited power of co-creation, she works in energetic flow with her clients to break through their writing blocks, release their stories from their heads and hearts, and confidently share their message with the world. Through her years as a journalist and copywriter, Ruth learned that the true magic of storytelling is to heal, nurture and create connection through sharing the wisdom of our experiences. She stands for silenced voices around the world being healed and heard as their impact for change is amplified. An avid lover of the performing arts, Ruth is a columnist, reviewer and editor for Dance Writer Australia. And as a recently certified youth coach and mentor, she also has a keen interest in encouraging the voice of our younger generations. Residing in Melbourne, Australia, Ruth Faye shares her life of love and magic with her partner, their blended family of seven children and an adorably naughty puppy named Merlin. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So for those who don't know, Ruth was the editor of my book, Divine Messy Human, and helped me beautifully birth that into the world. I know that I've referred to her as my book midwife on more than one occasion, (laughs) (laughs) soothing me through the painful moments and yeah, seeing right through to the successful birth. So thank you for that. (laughs) It really wasn't that painful at all. (laughs) Well, not for me. It may have been for you, but not for me. Awesome. So I wanted to firstly, I guess, start with what brought you to your business? What brought you into writing and storytelling and editing and copywriting for other people? Oh, goodness. I could talk about that for hours. (laughs) Uh, I guess storytelling has been part of me since I was little. I remember being four and saying that I was going to be an author when I grew up. And I used to make those, you know, little books where you do your do your writing and then draw these terrible pictures because I am not an artist and then staple them down the side and try and sell them to people. So I've always loved writing. I've always loved storytelling. A lot of during my teenage years, not so much, you know, making little storybooks, but making stories in my head, coping with being a teenager, with life, with things that get thrown at you through escape. I read as much as I write, I guess. So sometimes more. So that whole thing of storytelling helping people feel and understand the way that other people view the world or how they how they see things themselves as well as gaining that understanding of other people's view and why they think that way has always been really important to me 
like many of us, I went on a rather wandering journey through my 20s and 30s of working in retail, managing stores, traveling overseas, working as like a executive assistant, you know, whatever job you can get in London kind of thing where you're having fun, having my children. And it wasn't until my youngest daughter was starting school that I kind of had that, what am I going to do with myself? And in the sort of 10 years prior, I had been doing some work in freelance journalism and I wrote for a teenage girls magazine called Indigo, was really involved with them and loved it. I loved meeting the kids. I loved interviewing them. I loved helping them tell their stories in a way that wasn't fabricated and false. Um, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I always viewed it as like the anti-Dolly because Dolly was such a huge yes. part of my life as a as a teenager you know you read Dolly and there was the sealed sections that told you things that your mum didn't want you to know kind of stuff but it was false it was there was airbrushing it wasn't you know there's a lot of advertising aimed at teenagers to try to get them on board and all of those things and although I didn't necessarily have the words for it then Indigo called to me because it was real it was real kids battling real issues you know whether it was learning difficulties or not fitting in or bullying but it was also a celebration of one one girl who was a champion at roller skating but she was like 12 and she'd worked really hard to get there so sharing her story was amazing and interviewing her and meeting her and finding out what she did to get to that stage and the drive that she inherently had like all of that stuff really brought me back to I guess the the storytelling aspect and that how important it is for people to be able to deal with their stuff but also celebrate their their excellence and their exciting moments and that doesn't happen a great deal in the culture that we have the whole tall poppy thing and the way things are so being able to to do that and and hear what I guess is a full circle now but because I was in my early 30s at that stage but yeah hearing what the the youth have to say my kids were little so speaking to teenagers and and hearing and understanding how they view the world and the change they want to bring was huge so yeah that kind of you know that was bubbling within me for quite a while but what I started doing was copywriting you know studied learned how to help people tell their stories but then it was very business focused Mm. which Again, it took some time because I did things by the book and went through the processes and set up my business and did all of the things. But I realized quite quickly that the processes I'd been taught, while they're not wrong at all, they didn't work for me because what I found in working with people, whether it's writing their blogs or website copy or basic things like that, it was again helping them to tell their story because these people were mainly entrepreneurs they and mainly worked for themselves or they had a very small company and the reason they did what they did was because they had that passion they had that drive they wanted to give they wanted to share they believed in their product or service and their why like one person's why in their industry is different to another person's why so a lot of my work as a copywriter became drawing out that why and understanding why they did what they did and sharing their message with their clients authentically like Mm. if you want to visit a chiropractor you might there might be 20 chiropractors in your immediate area but finding a chiropractor you can trust just through an online search 
isn't necessarily easy and you don't want to go to someone who's going to be touching your body and manipulating your body in ways that you if you don't trust them because it's not going to work so helping for example a chiropractor actually say this is why I do what I do and this is what I believe in and this is why I've chosen this modality to work in and will helping them do that in their way then resonates with the people who need them yeah specifically them so that taught me an awful lot so but long story short it came down to I started to work in co-creation with Mm. those people we wrote website copy together I helped them to write it I taught them the tricks of the trade I guess in in how to create a blog and and make it work and and through that it became more coaching than traditional copywriting I guess and then a beautiful woman asked me to edit her book. <laughs> I had worked in some book editing prior to that. During COVID particularly, a lot of people were writing their stories. So worked with some lovely clients there unexpectedly. That came to me through copywriting, but we ended up working on their book. And it just kind of has unfolded from there over the last three years. My business has completely changed. My focus has changed. My belief in myself has changed. My belief in my work has changed. So now I am in in that space of editing and editing for me is part of coaching. It, it all comes in together, but really helping people to to tell their stories in a way that resonates with the people that need to hear their message. I guess it has come very yes. much full circle, but it's been a windy path. <laughs> and I think they're sometimes the best ones are those paths that do twist and turn and you know, you feel like you're going down the wrong way so often. But I said it to somebody else as well. You know, if we're walking along a motorway that is clear, it's not our path. Our path is the one that we have to forge ourselves. It is the one that we need to, you know, take wrong turns. And, you know, I get, I always get the vision of, you know, when you see people going through the Amazon and they've got their machetes and they're cutting, (laughs) they're literally cutting their way through. That's the way that we do forge our own path because even if it's a little bit clear we've got to ask if it's our path to be walking on and so I actually love that and I love what you say about having that prescription of you know you've learned the skills and you've got the prescription but then finding it doesn't work quite for you yeah say more about that explain to us you know I guess what you mean by that so going into business like starting my own business for the first time I was feeling very I had to do things the right way all the shoulds Mm. you should post on social media this many times a week and it should be these type of posts and when you work with people particularly in copywriting it's that you know you you meet for the initial client brief which brings in something else I'll quickly touch on because Mm. I never charged for that it was an initial meeting but I very much struggled to charge for my services during the the journey last eight years I guess Mm -hmm. and so that sort of you know that kind of became a trigger but then yeah so I would work with someone I take their brief and then I would go away and I would look through it and I felt very early on that I needed pre-COVID days I needed to meet people so I, I often went if I could to their place of work I saw them in their environment and it took me a while to realize it, but it was very much feeling them and me stepping into their shoes. And 
I talk a lot in my work about writing in someone else's voice, right? writing in my client's voice. It's not my voice. It's not my words that need to be on paper. It's their words. And if they choose a word that is not a word I would use, that's fine because that, that's theirs. But for me, that became very energetic. And at that stage, I didn't necessarily have the words for it. I did have an understanding, but it was burgeoning, I think. So over time, I realized that what that was, that that was an energetic thing. It was, it was getting in that flow with a client and it was honestly stepping into their headspace. And that's why I tried to bring that into, into the work I did with them of going to them and having meetings with them. But it was still have the meeting, go away, write the copy, email it to them. They would maybe send back another email or we might have another meeting. But then it was me write again and make the changes and the amendments, send it back to them again. But what also happened, there was two things that happened in that space. One is that when someone's writing their website copy, they are then focusing on their business, which often is busy business owners and mums and parents, whatever, we don't have time to do that. So in doing that, they were recognising that their business was changing or had changed and it evolved over time. So what started as a small project became bigger and bigger and bigger because they wanted to rewrite their services or rewrite their about page because they had changed or were changing through the process, which for me blew out the scope of things. It became a longer project, it, which then came back to money as well and the exchange of energy and the exchange of, of money in there too. So there was this real conundrum, I can't even say it, conundrum <laughs> that I was sitting with. And I did say there was two things and the other thing has now escaped me. I'm not really sure. Anyway, I'll probably come back to it. Mm. So, yeah, that, so when I then, then COVID hit as well mm. and everything started to happen on Zoom, which was such a blessing because I didn't see how it would work straight away, but like we're having this conversation, having those conversations on Zoom, even though I couldn't go to someone's office or couldn't go to their warehouse or couldn't go to their little room, like their niche in their house or whatever it may be that they're working from, it became a more intense connection, I think, because it was about the person. It wasn't about the surroundings. And during that that period in, in early COVID days as well, I was doing an awful lot of inner work. I was going through some significant life changes. There was some, there was a lot happening in my world as well. But what that did was opened up that space for understanding energy work and understanding that the flow between two people working together. So I created a program that was, I think what I called it now, but I think it was intuitive copywriting coaching, something along those lines, because my intuition really came into it. I had done some work through some intuition development circles with a beautiful kinesiologist, Danielle, <laughs> sitting right there. Um, but that was amazing because I had that within me, but it was making that connection. And in making that connection with myself, I was then able to connect more fully with my clients and really step into their headspace and, and work with them where I was more of a guide and a coach and a, and a mentor and a teacher. and I had the with the technical wisdom, but it was allowing them to, like you said in my bio, it's breakthrough writing blocks, but it's it's more than that because it is those deep-seated fears of how are people going to receive this? What if no one receives this? 
What if people come back negatively? What if I don't have the right message? What if my message isn't worded well? Like there's there's so many fears that come into being a business owner who is speaking through posts or blogs or website copy or however they're doing it on a stage, however they're doing it. So a lot of my work became addressing those fears and guiding them through it and helping them recognize their own self-worth and seeing what they do and why they do it and tapping into that energy. So I don't even know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think it's beautiful (laughs) because, you know, you, you are talking about that energetic connection and people often ask me how what I do translates online. Mm. And it's that similar thing in some ways when you get rid of that mess and the noise and you are so focused as you have to be on a screen it's taking your point of focus right down to you know how many inches your screen is rather than (laughs) a whole room or a whole building or all of those extra energies Mm. you do really almost put yourself i i get that little vision of that cone of silence type you know thing (laughs) because we're tuning directly into each other's radio station we're throwing that energetic blanket over each other and reading the energy field that way. And in some ways you're getting a more concentrated version through Mm. that screen. And I think it has been one of the big blessings of of COVID because it allowed us to expand that world and also to move further afield. I know you've got clients now in in other countries, is it Italy and the States and- And Canada. Yeah. And the UK. Yeah. But that would not have happened before. (laughs) No, absolutely. And, you know, I'm the same. I've got my UK clients. I've got one in Vietnam. I've got clients and and from all over Australia. And I do think it's opening that world up to these people that we connect with that previously we would have just, I don't know, seen on a social media scroll or something and gone, oh, well, I can't work with them, but I love their content. So I'll follow them. Now there's an the possibility Mm -hmm. of working with those people that we really really deeply resonate with yeah so how would you say that you do tap into your intuition with businesses clients yourself and how have you developed that over the last number of years I mean obviously I've I've had a front seat in in watching that journey (laughs) yes in so many ways tears and the the yays absolutely but Go through some of those, I guess, aha moments or those moments. Actually, do you know, I don't always think they're aha moments. I think that they, we'd love them all to be aha moments. (laughs) I think often they are those tiny one or 2% shifts and changes that you make Mm -hmm. that over time just take you to a completely different life path. So it feels like a quantum leap that you've made, even though it's just tiny little bits. So how does all that sort of fit together in in your journey from these last few years, that intuition, being able to use that for business clients and self Mm -hmm. and either those big jumps that you've made that have been those, whoa, kind of moments, oh my God, that's what's happening. And potentially those smaller changes that have become those really wow moments. I think this is one of them right now. In the past, I would have been incredibly, what should I say? Those shoulds were such a big part of my life. And now through the work I've done, I understand why. But in the past, I would have just started talking as opposed to take a minute, have a breath. What do I need to say where, you know, what needs to come through right now? I could never have even used those words, especially publicly. It would have terrified me. 
so for me, initially it was beginning to work with a business coach who worked in a similar way. She taught me the importance of bringing rest in, pausing, even if it's just a little pause right then or if it's a big pause. I, I've recently had surgery and I needed to pause everything mm. for at least a few days while I recovered from that. So in the past, I would have been, no, I need to be doing everything for my clients, for the kids, for my business. Like, oh, there's all of these things. Whereas what she taught me was actually giving myself the permission to go, no, I need to heal or I need a minute to go and stick my feet in the grass outside and have a cup of tea or feel the sun on my skin. And it might only be five minutes, but I've just been with a client and we have connected energetically and now I just need to go ground. Like, so with working with her and then my work with you through the coaching that we've done and the kinesiology assistance that you've given me through, you know, healing some pretty gaping wounds, I think. And, and then also the people that I connected with during COVID through networking that, that was more aligned to my beliefs, little courses that I've done along the way, but and the people that honestly I believe have been gifted into my life, through all of those people there has been little bits, there's little tools, there's little tricks. They're not tricks, that's not true. They're little practices. And I struggled for a, a long time because I am an Aries and for the human design people, I'm a manifesting generator. So I'm like give me all the information. I want to learn all the things. I want to know how I'm doing all of this stuff. I started doing card readings again. I used to do them. I worked with cards years ago. I kind of stepped away from that side of my spirituality. I did some healing with an Oracle reader who was also a dear friend, which again, sort of tapped into that. There were so many little things that happened that weren't little things, but then all of these things came into my world. And then I went, I don't know. I don't know how to use them. I don't know how to work with them. All the jigsaw pieces are here, but I can't put it together. I don't see a clear picture. And in that time, because that was has literally, I think, really been the last 18 months. But in that time, my business kept changing as I was learning more and as I was meeting more people, whether online or in person or however that happened, all these things were changing for me personally. And it was a whirlwind, but it was a beautiful whirlwind. And I did have aha moments. I did have that, oh, this makes sense. Or that's my intuition speaking. Or I will just take a moment. And I was speaking. I was using a different language. I was connecting with people with a different language. And that, ha that has been part of me. So that has become my business as well. It's how I conduct my business. It is, it is real. It is raw. There are no more shoulds. I am jumping into being a little bit more visible, which does scare me. But speaking about these things, because I think it's so important that people understand that we are raw and we are messy and we do make mistakes and we do struggle to find those pieces and those tools in business and in life because they're one and the same for so many of us. But what that has done has also given me tools to work with my clients. I draw a card before every session. I don't always light a candle. Sometimes I do if that's what I feel called to. I will go outside and stick my feet in the grass and take a moment and and breathe and sort of connect with source, divine energy, whatever you want to call it, universe. Because I do feel that my that I am guided when I sit in that space with my clients, and I do open to them and do the same at the end as well. And there's also various things that I bring into working with them like grounding and creating ritual around their writing 
giving them permission because I needed it, even for my writing, giving them permission to take 15 minutes in the morning or the evening to journal or to reflect on their day. So many people say to me that they don't know what to write for blogs, for example. It's that I don't I don't know what topics they are. So keep a notepad next to you during the day and or your notes on your phone, however you want to work. And when you've had a conversation with someone and something comes up, jot it down. It may be a blog post. It may be a social media, three lines. It may just be an awareness that you need to, to see and to feel into and to understand for how you conduct your business. So I guess through my journey, I've learned to open up and, and all these little tools that have come into space, into my space that I can then use in working with clients to help them as well. The biggest aha in that is that I can do that mm. and I can gift to them what has been gifted to me through the learning that I have had in, in the last few years, I guess. It's pretty special and I'm incredibly grateful for the people <laughs> that have come into my life to do that. And I want to pay it forward, I guess. There's, there's that part of it as well. But the clients who are coming to me want that as well. They have that that language there. There's a reason people want to tell their story. Yeah. Uh, so if I can support them in that energetically as well as through coaching and the, the nitty-gritty of that, then that's that what I'm here for but as far as quantum leaps I do feel that this is part of this shift that we are having nowadays where people are wanting to connect differently and they want their voices are important there's been so much silencing of of women of children of people and I will include men in that as well because there are a lot of good men out there who have also been damaged by the way that our, our world has evolved over the last centuries decades however long but we do want we do want to speak and I hope to support them in that as much as possible yeah no and I think that's it's a really important piece of the puzzle is that we so often hear talk of the divine feminine and really letting her come out and healing the wounds that Mm. have been created through patriarchy and all of that and often in that conversation men get left out of it And that's men of color and white men. And I find so often in my healing, I want to really reinforce that it's literally the the top maybe 1% of people in the world. And most of them are white men, that's true, that are controlling so much of this power and money and the direction that society is going. And everybody else suffers in those systems because the systems themselves are only designed to help that one percent or whatever it is and so it's about us raising up and breaking down those systems so that everybody can heal and be more well and more vibrant and more healthy and living a better life that is less about comparison and competition and power over structures so i love that you mentioned that because it is really so important to start freeing those voices and to understand the trauma that almost our entire society has been subjected to. Exactly. And I think that's where we need to start the healing. And we can't truly be fully self-realized and fully healed if there are people left behind. Yes. And I, I didn't know until maybe two years ago, I didn't, 
I didn't know about the that we all have divine feminine and divine masculine energy. What I have in my space is two boys and two girls that I've birthed into this world in that order, mm. two boys and two girls. And I see in my home, they're, they're all teenagers now, but I've seen in my home, all four of them struggle with exactly what you were just talking about, the systems, the conversations, the language used, the boys feeling pushed down, the girls fighting to be heard, the boys not knowing where they sit in the world that they're in because they're terrified of toxic masculinity, but yet that's what they're still hearing. So sometimes they drop into that and then their sisters and I are like, hey, hang on a minute. And there's even around my dinner table, there is this like microcosm of exactly what you were just talking about. And when I think it was you and Elijah in one of our networking sessions, when you started talking about that balance and how we all have masculine feminine energy and how that needs to be balanced individually, but then also within our homes and then within our society and collectively across the globe, I'm getting goosebumps. That really spoke to me and it made so much sense with the my personal views that I, you know, like I said, they were burgeoning, I didn't understand them, what I was seeing in my home, what I was fighting against in society. It plays out in my business with the shorts that I keep talking about, all of the things, and it all just went, that makes sense. Yeah. And as you know, this is something that I, for years now, have desperately wanted to write about and myself haven't been brave enough to do that, but it's coming because I think I needed to be in this space to then be able to do that. Well, and as you know, with my book, because we've had so many conversations about (laughs) that, was that I needed to be at a certain place in my own healing to be able to bring that work into the world. And I think that's a really important definition to make between percolation and procrastination so often we beat ourselves up going oh I've got this book in me and it's not coming out and I need to write this because I really it's really important and we get into that intensity because we're beating ourselves up for it not being the right time and then if we put that into that percolation mode of knowing that that book is there and it's bubbling And that when the time is right, we will be able to create the container either with a coach, which is obviously how I got my book out or how people get their books out through you, or in whatever way it is, a container will be created that will be a safe container for that work to be birthed into the world. And I've seen so many books come out through these, I don't know, write a book in a week or 48 hour author type workshops yeah. where they're forced containers. And I've read some of the work going, oh, it just doesn't have that heart and that soul and that depth to it. And I think that's a really important part is working with that divine energy, working with that percolation and, and calling it that. Yep. And I myself, I know obviously how often you've spoken about this work that you want to get into the world and I'm seeing this incredible growth and healing coming through you and there will be that point where it comes to Mm. all of a sudden it will be right, the container's there (laughs) and I'm, I'm doing this. I mean, I remember the synchronicity that was 
we met through moon networking that we do lunar wisdom which is amazing lunar life networking i think it is is that the yep. right i can never remember i always just look, look under <laughs> lunar and it comes up for me in my facebook search when i'm looking yes, for it's the lunar group. life lunar life <laughs> the lunar life networking was how the two of us met which was through a mutual friend of ours and in that container obviously we were starting to get to know each other and I had started working with my coach, I guess it was around the August and I must have met you earlier that year. Yeah. And I remember saying, oh, I think my editor's in the States or wherever I mentioned to him, I thought it was. And he said, I think it's much closer to home. And as soon as he <laughs> said that, I was like, oh my goodness. And we were hopping on our meeting the following yep. morning. And I just happened to private message you within our Zoom call and you just happened that morning to have a cancellation for the time period I was looking for. And all of that stuff, you know, worked together synchronistically. So yeah. not only did I have this perfect container that was created via my coach and through that work, also then you had that synchronistic cancellation, which was a devastation when it happened, but then opened you up to that yeah. work. And I see so many of those synchronicities coming through as we start to trust and as we start to step into it. And I think Absolutely. that's where I go together with that percolation aspect is recognizing that all of these seemingly synchronistic, strange things that are coming into our life are all knitting together to create something else. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit more about how your, you know, life experiences inform your business and also how you marry together that learned experience and lived wisdom. Life experiences, when we were talking before about the journey, although a big part of me wishes that I'd come to this place, I turned 52 days ago. I'm like, wow, half a century. What? Yes. I'm still 22. Like, what? <laughs> Congratulations and happy <laughs> birthday, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> and I wasn't dreading turning 50 by any means, but it was really kind of confusing in my mind because I don't feel 50. And I think a big part of that is that position of I'm I'm now half a century. I've been here for a long time, but yet I've done so much learning about who I actually am during the last three years, which funnily enough have coincided with COVID. They also coincided with the breakdown of my marriage, with caring for my children and learning how to care for myself through that as well. And as I said, for meeting people. But prior to that, it was a winding journey. And that, although I wish I'd got there much quicker than, you know, being 50 before I stepped into this space, I learned so much and I'm actually thankful for where that has taken me because working in retail gave me a real understanding of customer service. And again, I did customer service differently. Even when I started it at 14 and nine months, I wasn't going to lie to customers. I wasn't going to tell the ladies in Katie's that their pants looked amazing if they didn't. And I knew that I didn't know how to tell them well <laughs> that their pants didn't look amazing, but I learned that. And it is that that balance of honesty and care. Obviously, you're not going to go, man, that looks terrible. But here's an here's another pair. I suggest you try them on. I think they might look good. Like and knowing again, it's that knowing of understanding what fits what pants fit a particular shape or what color works well. Like, and it's getting into that person's head. Where are they going? What do they need the pants for? So, 
yeah there's there's life experiences like on that working level of the jobs I've done I've learned in every job and I've bring something little or big from all of those jobs into it as a child I moved around a lot because my dad was in the air force so I had to learn to fit in or I felt I had to learn to fit in and in doing that I totally lost who the hell I was I had no idea by the time I was a teenager it was all about not being with the cool kids because I was total nerd. There's no way I was going with the cool kids. <laughs> but I needed friends. I needed community. I The uncertainty, the moving around was very difficult for me. But when I had my own children, I created community around them. I became part of sporting clubs and schools and kindergartens. And I worked on the committees. And all of that was because I needed that, but also I wanted that for my children. I wanted them to feel safe and secure and and that they were part of something. And if if I wasn't watching out for them, if they were, you know, teenagers and out, there might be another parent that they could call or they could go back to if something went wrong and they didn't want to call me. And so that sense of community became really important to me, although I didn't necessarily recognise it as that at the time. I just knew the life I wanted for my kids, which wasn't the life I had. Not that all of mine was bad. But it was broken and there, and there was so much trying to fit in and trying to assess what everyone else needed that my voice was silenced. And I also had a, a difficult upbringing and there was abuse in my household. So, again, it was a silenced voice from a very young age. The reason I'm struggling to write my book is that I am experiencing the fear of speaking up, There's the fear of being seen, the the fear of visibility and what if someone reads it? What if someone sees this podcast? I've struggled to say some of these words publicly. It's okay to you sitting in your office, but doing it publicly, that's different. Yeah. And finding the right words. So I get it. And I think that's where my calling to work with youth comes from now as well, because I was one of those youths. I did write. I was good at writing. I've always, I've been gifted with the ability to to write and connect with people or the talent, however you want to look at it. I'm not sure I love that word, but but I I didn't have that outlet other than an amazing year 10 English teacher mm. who saw me and saw my pain and saw my struggles and she encouraged me and she put me forward for my work into, you know, a competition and did well and all that kind of stuff. And that validation was amazing. I probably did get that validation from other spaces, but I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. I didn't name it for what it was. Whereas now I I am working back as things in my life and I do see that. But that's why I want to help people. Like you talked about birthing and stories before. Someone called me a book doula a little while ago and I was like, that's so cute. But in days gone by, and it's different now because it's so sterile, but Yes, a woman can give birth to a child themselves. They can. It is a hell of a lot safer, easier, kinder, more gentle, supported, doing it with other people. And when we book, book when we birth our books or our stories into the world, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. A coach, an editor, a publisher, a even a graphic designer, someone to format your work. Like having all of those people around you to guide you through that process and hold your hand when it's fucking scary because there are so many fears and I know them because I've had them too I stopped writing for years because I was too scared to 
use my voice. Mm. And I'm not as scared anymore. It is something I am still working on. But when I'm, I'm working with a client at the moment who has came to me with a written manuscript, yes, it needs some editing and some tweaking, whatever. Most of the phone calls we have had in the last four weeks have not been about the words on her page. They've been about things that other people have said to her. They've been about people knocking her down. We're not going to make any money with that book. That's not why she's writing a book. She's not writing it to make money. She's writing it because she wants to write it. She wants to speak. She wants to tell her story. It's been about what I said before. What if people read it? What if people don't read it? It's equal balance fear. Yeah. And again, for her, it comes back to the why are you doing this? Why do you feel the need to do it? It's already you've got it's already grown inside you. Mm. Let me help you birth it. And if you publish that book and one person reads it and it helps them, how does that make you feel? If you birth it and no one reads it, how does that make you feel? If you birth it and someone reads it and they come at you and like, why did you say that? And, oh, my God, how, how could you talk about that? It, you know, again, how does it make you feel? But also remember it's your story and if you're not flagging other people off and if you're not naming names or you're not deliberately hurting other people but you are telling your authentic truth, because you need to get that out of your head and out of your heart and out of your soul and you want to do it to help yourself and also to help other people who may have experienced similar, then do it and don't let those people bring you down but also guard yourself. So when she does birth it and someone comes to her with anger or with frustration or with any negative emotion that they may come to her with, she can stand strong because she has those people around her. They may be friends as well, but she has that team of people to support her and go, no, this is why you're doing what you're doing. And I find that incredibly powerful imagery when it comes to telling our stories because while birth, birthing a baby, like a real human one, <laughs> is not, it's not done in silence. That baby is inside you. He's but that baby, here's your voice first and foremost. Here's your heartbeat. Here's your tummy gurgles when you're hungry and all of those internal things. And then when that baby comes into the world, they are met with all the sights and the sounds and, the, and, and they come back to their mother for love and care and support and stability and security and food and all of the things. It's, it is so similar with our stories. They bubble inside us and they, they hurt us. A lot of the work you do is working through people's stories and embodying them or letting parts of them go. Or And for me, working with you, so much of it was understanding how that hurt or shaped or made me create my own stories that then I can step back as a nearly 50-year-old woman and go, is that the story I want to move forward with? Do I need to let that go? Do I need to embody that? Like, what is important here? Who am I? And obviously when you birth a baby into the world as when you book a birth, a book in birth a book into the world, <laughs> it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. But you are still there to guide. You are it's still yours. You guide your children. You have to let your children separate from you because they need to grow and learn and become themselves, but they still carry a part of you with them. Mm. And a book does that too. It takes on its own life, but it's still linked to you. And yeah, managing that link or keeping that link is incredibly 
important for for the author but also energetically through the life of the book it will touch people who go how dare you it will also touch people who go oh thank you Mm. and it is so important to recognize both both sides of that and I think you've just put that absolutely perfectly I I completely agree I think there is this beauty in the, any project we birth, whether it be a book or whether it be a human child or whether it be a business or something yeah. else, we have parts of our soul then walking around without outside our body. Yes. Yeah. And those pieces are up for criticism. They are up for the harshness of the world. They are up for people coming at us with anger. And I think that's then when we we learn to hold what's ours and what's others mm. together simultaneously, yeah. being able to hold that if somebody comes at us with anger or disbelief or whatever it is that comes in about our work, it is as much about what's going on for them. Mm. Because our anything that triggers and activates us is something that we're actually being called to look for to heal. And so knowing that we've activated that in somebody else isn't always a bad thing to know. They then know that they have something to heal if they're designed to look for it. And if they're not, well, then they can just go around being angry as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's that part of, okay, is their anger activating me? And if their anger's activating me, well, then I will take that to my people to go and heal. <laughs> I'll go work with my coaches, my healers, whomever it is. And I think that's the beauty of, again, having that community. And that's where I talk about that internal scaffolding versus the external scaffolding. And yeah. that community you're talking about is very much about having that external scaffolding to hold you when the internal scaffolding is not just enough where, yeah. you know, you can't just journal or meditate your way through it or you can't just <laughs> put your feet on the grass and have it take it all away when you need that additional human support because we are such human creatures that need that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I really, really love it. We are coming to the end of our time, but I've got a couple more questions. There's, we're oh, not rushed, by the way, so we can do long <laughs> answers or short, either or. So talk to me about what's your understanding of spirituality. Obviously, as I say, I've known you probably around three years now-ish, yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah, right. And I've seen a massive shift and change in you in that time. So what would you say your understanding of spirituality is? What is it growing to be? What do you feel mm. it's becoming? As a child, I... Quite sure what the words would be. I would. I often had dreams that I would then tell my mum about. My mum's mum, who I never met in person, was a medium. She died well before I was born, so it's not really surprising. My sister has done similar, as has my mum. But I had these, you know, visions or signs or feelings or whatever as a young child, probably up until about nine, ten, and then that was actually when we moved from the UK to Australia. Um, and then, like I said before, it became all about survival and fitting in and, you know, new culture and learning and all that kind of stuff. So during my teenage years, I kind of backed away from it. But in my teenage years was actually when my grandmother, who was a medium, came to me in a dream a couple of times. And it was scary, but it was also beautiful. And 
you know, I had conversations with my mum about it. So spirituality has, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is spirituality has been a part of my life. It's also been a part of my sister's. She's 12 years older than me. She lives across the world in our entire lives together. Although we have only spent, we only spent about six months other than holidays actually living together. Yet we've both followed a fairly spiritual path. In that she now works as a clinical hypnotherapist. She brings you know, a lot of, of spirituality into her work. She started to be a medium as well. I haven't gone down that path, but I do believe that opening to my spirituality has brought an understanding of myself, which I can then bring to working with clients, as I said before. What that is for me is universe. I do struggle with the word God purely because of my upbringing, I guess. So for me, it is the universe and it is those being aware of those synchronicities because they are everywhere. And those boots along the path that you get when you're kind of going the wrong way and they go, hey, wait a minute, you need to be going this way. And we probably don't have time. That's maybe a conversation for another day. But my series of injuries that I've had in the last few <laughs> years have been that journey of you're going this way, smack on the head, you're going that way. Oh my God, you're not stopping. Let me just break your ankle. So you have to sit down and write for a period of time. Like I would personally just like to put it out that I'd like some more gentle synchronicities to happen now. Thank you very much. <laughs> But it, it is this, it is that communication with, with the universe. It is being aware of our thoughts and our actions. It is, I don't really, I'm learning about it, but it is knowing that we can manifest, that we are part of, we vibrate, the universe vibrates. We are part of one. We are part of each other. As we are part of our children, we are part of something more, something bigger, other, source energy, all of those words. For me, it's a feeling that does sit somewhere between here and here, I guess. It's, mm -hmm. It is getting in the shower and closing my eyes and filling the water and I have a little, I don't know what the word is, a little, it's not process, thing that I do in the shower every morning, which is a ground, ground and clear and, and protection. But it's not so much about protection for me. It is more about connecting. That helps me start the day. It takes like 15 seconds to sort of do the whole thing as the water sort of washes over me. It is about, I studied Reiki during lockdowns as well. And, and it is about being aware of that energy and bringing it into my everyday. So I guess when you said that, I was like, man, what am I going to say? But ultimately spirituality is, it's a feeling, it's an awareness of that oneness. It's a connecting into that divine energy whether it is through having a meaningful shower, whether it's through giving someone Reiki, whether it's doing the cards, you know, however those tools that come into life, it, it is about that awareness and and connection and learning to listen before your feet get knocked out from under you. <laughs> oh, and don't we all need that reminder? And I think <laughs> it's really interesting how often I balance that in clinic is the yeah. statement of I can do this gently and easily because I know for me, my spiritual journey often ended up with the things you describe over the last few years of the injuries and the illnesses and yeah. those really big smackdowns because I wasn't listening to the small messages yeah. of look after this, watch out for that. Mm -hmm. And I also had that belief deep in me that healing was going to be painful. That whole idea that you've got to feel it to heal it 
well, most of my feelings had been painful and that's why I'd mm. suppressed them and shoved them down. So naturally, if you've got to feel it to heal it, to me, that was feeling all of the pain and all of the devastation and all of the trauma that I, I'd been through. Yes, I think all of it is true at the same time that we do need to feel it to heal it. And also we are feeling memories of, we're not feeling that initial event yeah. again. And I think that with the right people, we can heal them gently and easily so that they sit more comfortably in our body without yeah. that explosive ouch, ouch happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. And I think it's a really important part. And also, as you say, it's being part of the collective and understanding our own unique voice and our own unique perspective within yeah. that, within that whole I use the description of how do we know when the air from the kitchen becomes the air from the dining room? That's the way we sort of yeah. are with each other as souls is where do I stop and you begin? Well, mm. that's anyone's question, especially when you're sitting right next to one another and your energy fields are literally in yeah. intermingling. How do those, where does one end and the other begin? And I, I think that's going back to that part of the conversation where I, we mentioned about the we can't heal fully until everybody is healed and on that path because mm -hmm. we can't be fully healed and fully self-realized and, and fully enlightened if there are people left behind yeah. in pain, without education, without healthcare, without all of those things. And I think that's yeah. where it becomes collective work. So I love yeah. that. I really, really love it. And finally, my love, well, second to finally, because there'll Ooh. be the bit of where people can find you after this. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but what does being a divine messy human mean to you? I love that. I love the question. And I actually use that phrase a lot. <laughs> I actually use it with my children a lot as well, because the divine is everything I talked about just before. It's also that being aware of your intuition and trusting your intuition because that's beaten out of us nowadays. That little voice in your guts or in the back of your mind that's going, hang, hang on a minute, that person's not safe or maybe I shouldn't walk down this dark alley. Like, yes, we're not being chased by dinosaurs anymore, not that we ever were, but it, it is that trusting, the trusting the good and the bad as well. Like, this feels right. This is good. This is time for me to step away. Like, body wisdom and all the stuff that comes in with that. That, to me, is part of the divine as humans we are messy we make mistakes we stuff things up we say bad things to people or we you know there's that whole thing of that went around a little while ago my kids were a little bit younger but it went around all the schools and social media of everything that if you screw up a bit of paper you can unfold it, but it's still got the creases on it. Or you can drop a plate and you can and smash it and put it back together, but it will still show crap. We do hurt people by our words and our actions and we make mistakes and we hurt ourselves. We might, I don't know, take drugs or drink too much or whatever it might be. We do fuck up. Mm. However, in doing that, we can sit in that, oh my God, I'm so bad because I hurt so-and-so and I screwed up that bit of paper and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make it all flat and nice, but oh my goodness, it's got creases in it now. But that is where the learning comes in. And one of the things that I have been consistent with with my own children and, my, and myself, and it's one of my guiding principles, is that it is okay to make mistakes. When you make a mistake, it is so incredibly important to recognize it, 
to acknowledge it, to meaningfully apologize for it, not just a sorry, like actually mean what you're saying and then make reparation wherever you can. And it may not be that you can smooth the creases out, but in the conversation with that person that you've hurt, if that is possible, then you you can help them understand why you said what you said or you did what you did. And you can hear them. You can hear them go, yeah, but that hurt, mum. That hurt because you didn't listen or because you said such and such. Okay, mate, I'm so sorry. You know, how can we work through this together? What, you know, there's so many different ways that that conversation mm. can go. But that messiness for me as a human, as a mum, as a woman, as a partner, as a friend, sister, you know, all of those things, that messiness is where the beauty lies because that is where if we're open to it, that is where we learn, that is where we grow, that is where we connect with the people around us, that is, is where we tap in again to that divine guidance. So to me, being human, it is imperfect, it is messy, it is fraught with potential for error, but is it an error if you then grow and learn from it? You know, that, that's another question maybe for another day. But we are also divine and we have that ability to touch people and grow with them. We don't have, like you said, it doesn't have to be painful. Mm. One of the things that came through when you were saying that was when we, when I worked with Georgie from Lunar Life, who was also the business coach I worked with, she, she kept saying to me, you know, what are we celebrating today? And we would do that in the network. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, celebrate what? And it can be something so small, but I, did not know to celebrate and celebrating is part of being human. The fact that in every culture we come together for meals, for, for drinks, for ceremony, for ritual, to celebrate life and death, good and bad, growth, exploration, like all of those things, that is so incredibly important to be aware of and acknowledge as we <laughs> move through this life that we walk mm -hmm. on this earth. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved chatting to you as always. As you know, we could speak all day. We and could. funnily enough, we will continue because we're both going out to celebrate our birthdays. Yes, because it's hours. Amanda's birthday today too. So happy birthday to you as well. Although so you yes. are not 50 yet. <laughs> catching you up, catching you up. <laughs> so where can people find you, my love? Uh, well, that's an interesting one at the moment. So my website is fayebloodpublications.com.au. However, I have just launched my author website, which is about the books that I've been in as a contributor, as a co-author. So that is ruthfaywriter.com. So through that, either of those channels is great. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, which I'm terrible at, but I am trying to check more often. So probably the main ones would be websites and, and Facebook would be the best ones or Send me an email, I don't care, carry a pigeon, as long as it finds me, whatever. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Thank you so, so much for the work you're bringing into the world. I appreciate you and love you so much. We'll chat right, soon. I catch you. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Divine Messy Human. I am always learning new ways of being, unlearning my old conditioning and repatterning my beliefs to serve myself and others to the highest degree possible. The opinions and beliefs expressed in this podcast are mine and all my guests from personal and learned experience. Please use your own discernment 
and take what resonates, leaving the rest. I am constantly evolving and ready to implement new ideas. Harm is never intended. If you loved this podcast, please share, rate and review. Every little bit helps. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, please reach out through email or messenger. Sending you love, healing and blessings.